0: Please bear with me, I'm just going to get a lectern. Well, good morning. It's so lovely to be with you. As Archie mentioned, my name is Jemima. Thank you, Archie. And I am part of the team here at Brompton Road. Um, so, our passage this morning is Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Uh, and this passage is known as the Great Commission. And it reads, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When I was in primary school, I had just come over to the UK from Ghana and no one knew me. No one knew my story. So I I saw it as a great opportunity to recreate myself. Um, So anyone who would give me the time of day I would tell them that I was a princess in Ghana. Now, now that is not true. It's not even true in the slightest. But it didn't stop me from confidently making that claim to anyone who would listen. So, when I read Matthew 28, I noticed immediately that Jesus made some very bold claims. In verse 18, Jesus makes a claim that only he can make. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Throughout history, in all of the world, no one has ever made such a claim. And with all the sincerity that Jesus did, Before joining the staff at HTB, I was a religious education teacher in a local secondary school. And as part of the curriculum, my students had to present arguments for and against the true identity of Jesus. And one of my students came across this quote by C.S. Lewis, and it has always stayed with me. It reads, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would have been a liar, a lunatic, on level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil himself. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or worse. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great moral teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. When Jesus says in verse 18, all authority has been given to me, he is boldly telling us, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. He is unapologetically saying, all of the Old Testament points to me. I am the one that you are waiting for. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man shall come to the Father except through me. Here, Jesus makes a claim that only he can make. And you know what? I believe him. And I know some of you are thinking, you know, Jemima, I'm only here because I was invited. Or I saw an advert on on Instagram about HTB, so I thought I'd just check it out. Or maybe you think that there could be some truth to the claims that Jesus made about who he was. But you don't want to be the odd one out in your friendship group. You don't want to be the odd one out at work or the odd one in your relationship. But the thing is, when you meet Jesus, when you experience him for yourself as a friend, as the one who gives peace, regardless of the state of our world, regardless of the state of our own personal lives, when we realize the truth of the claim that he makes, that all authority in heaven and on earth is his, then we are given the courage to say, you know what? I believe him too. Secondly, in Matthew 28 we read a command that only Jesus can give. In verse 19 he says, "Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." So so Jesus gives this command that those who are his disciples be baptized. I didn't grow up going to church, it just, just wasn't a thing in my house. Um, but when I was about 14 years old, I started to have some real questions about God. You know, Is God real? Who is Jesus? Why did he have to die? Why is the world such a mess? And, and I remember waking up one Sunday morning um, and just making this decision that I was going to find out for myself if God was real. And I was gonna start by visiting a different church every single Sunday until I heard something that rang as truth to me. So in my investigation, without realizing, time passed and I had come to a place where I believed that God was real. When I was about 18 years old, I made a decision to be baptized. But if I can be honest with you, I felt like a fraud. You know, I I wasn't as holy as other Christians. I wasn't as kind to my brother as I probably should have been. And and I, I just felt like I wasn't good enough. So I didn't tell anybody that I was getting baptized. I thought, if those who knew me knew that I was being baptized and calling myself a Christian, they would call me out. On the day of my baptism, three of my friends from my sixth form turned up out of nowhere, and even my brother turned up to support me. And and to this day, I have no idea how they found out that I was being baptized, but I'm so glad that they turned up because when I look back to that moment, I think about all the people that I loved being there, supporting me, because what mattered most was not whether or not I was enough in that moment, but rather that God was good That he was kind, and because of him, I was a new creation. Did did you notice that at the beginning of verse 19, it starts with, therefore, go. I love that. You know, Jesus says, therefore. Therefore, because of this, you can do that. Because I have all authority, you can go. You can go in all the confidence that you can muster in you to tell the world the truth about God's love. Because of what he has done, you can tell the whole world that no matter their story, no matter what they have endured, no matter what they've seen, experienced, no matter what we have done, that God loves you. And in him, you can live life in all its fullness. So Jesus says, therefore go and tell the world your story. But the thing about this story that makes it so powerful is that it is not a story about what has happened in you. And and don't get me wrong, because what has happened in you is so important. The thing about this story is that it is a story about what has happened for you. And that, is the most powerful story. It's the one about how Jesus died for you. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. He didn't think we were just okay. He so loved us that he gave us his son. And I know some of you are sat here thinking, phew, I'm glad you're talking about that story because I don't have a dramatic life story to share. Maybe you grew up going to church your whole life. That's okay, that's good, that's good. Because the most important story that changes lives, the story that makes disciples, the story that is worth going out to all nations is the story of Jesus So again, in verse 19, it says, "'Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, "'baptizing them in the name of the Father "'and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.'" And and that word, disciple, it means to be a student, to learn something, and then to model what you have learned to others. It is nearly impossible to be a secret disciple. Either over time your discipleship will end your secrecy or your secrecy will end your discipleship. So Jesus commands us in this passage to make it known, to make it known that we are his disciples and to continue making disciples. And this direct command is what is known as the Great Commission, and this is a command given not just to really holy people, not to just ordained people. No, it is a command given to the church. It says, therefore, you go. You go and make disciples of all nations. And you, you may be sat here thinking, gosh, that is a really big ask. Maybe you're thinking, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know where my own faith is at, let alone be out here making disciples. Maybe you're in a space of exploring the Christian faith, and you have so many questions of your own. Well, as as Archie mentioned, we run Alpha here, and Alpha is committed to be in a space where we can look at some of those big questions in life. You can find an invitation on your seat, probably under your seat by now. Um, And if you want to ask more questions, myself and the team will be at the back of church after service to answer anything you might have. So lastly, just to finish off, from Matthew 28, we read about a comfort that only Jesus can provide. Verse 20 says, and surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. I have a, a nearly two-year-old son called Judah. Um, and Judah is currently in this phase of exploring everything. Like, my goodness, he is, he is busy. He is busy in that house. And the other day, I found my debit card in the bin. In, you, you, can't, you can't just chuck the bin out anymore. You've got to check it twice over to make sure. And he's so strong-willed and sometimes that means he either does things that annoy me and his dad or he ends up hurting himself. But no matter how much he's strong-willed, no matter how much he's determined on doing something, he can never annoy me to the point where I stop loving him. And similarly, I know that I have given God so many reasons to be annoyed Reasons to wash his hands of me. You know, reasons where he can probably look at me and say, you know what, Jemima, you are obviously set on getting yourself hurt. And maybe you can relate to that. But he is still here with you. And not only is he still with you, he says, I will always be with you, even to the end of the age. Psalm twenty-seven, ten says, Even when my mother and father forsake me, you, Lord, will never leave my side. And we know that we can trust him. We know that we can trust what he says. Because in that moment when he is speaking to the disciples and he's physically standing there, not too long before they had all witnessed him dying on the cross. They know they can trust him because he told them before he died that he would come back and true to his word, here he is in the flesh. So when Jesus says, I am always with you, you know he is telling the truth. In some translations, it says, behold, I am with you always. And I really like that translation because behold... Behold means to be transfixed. It means to be single-minded. It means to focus our attention on one thing. So when Jesus says, behold, I am always with you, he is telling us, behold, the eternal truth of God's goodness. Be transfixed on the endless love of God that regardless of life circumstances, he is still God and he is good. Only Jesus can offer that kind of comfort. So every time when we find ourselves looking inward, saying, God, I am not good enough, he says, look at me. God, I am not holy enough. He says, look at me. But God, my life is a mess. All we have to do is look at him. When we behold Jesus, keeping our eyes fixed on him. That is when we are empowered by his Holy Spirit to accept that all authority in heaven and on earth is his, that we have been commanded to be disciples, making disciples, and that he is with us always, even to the very end of the age. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are good. Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we thank you that only you, that only you can make a way. And so Lord, for those moments where we have chosen other things, those moments where we have forgotten your goodness, would you remind us again in a new way? We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen, yeah. Thank you.